about wrestling, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, and uh, I don't have a Southern accent anymore. So I was trying to do my best JR impression, if you couldn't tell. We're, we're messing around with intros. That was a classic, um, you know, from, from back in the day, the uh, intro for Raw. Uh, Raw is War. War Zone. Uh, something that me and my co-host uh, would both understand. Uh, speaking about my co-host, I got, of course, Mr. Christopher A. Patton. How are you doing, sir? Good, man. How about you? How's it going? Well, it would have been good if I could have uh, stopped the audio when I wanted it to, but it would not stop because there's delay, and uh, that sucks. But, you know, maybe we'll get the timing next time, Chris. Maybe we won't. <laughs> All that really matters is that we're going to be talking about some wrestling. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, how, was your, how was your last week? And um, yeah, overall, how did you like uh, Hell in the Cell? Just give me like a little rundown. We haven't really talked about it. Man, Hell in Cell was super enjoyable. Uh, I had a lot of fun watching that pay-per-view, which I, you know, I've been kind of down on WWE pay-per-views for a while now. And uh, this one, I think, brought it back around. I thought most of the matches were pretty solid. And uh, main, the main event was one hell of a main event that is leading to a what could potentially be a cool storyline with a uh, Shane McMahon and someone helping Shane out versus uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. So looking forward to seeing Kevin, Kevin and uh, Sami tag again back in their similar to their PWG days. So um, all around, man, I got nothing but positive things to say about that pay-per-view. I really enjoyed uh, both the Hell in the Cell matches, and most of the card was, was pretty good. I, w- I would say above average for most of it. So that was enjoyable. Uh, weekend was a bit rough. rest of the week's been a bit rough, but we're here. Ready to talk about some wrestling, so I'm stoked on that. Absolutely. And I have to say, actually, and I mean, I don't know if you'll necessarily agree with me, but I think that – um, even the Raw Smackdowns, uh, ever since SummerSlam, I actually really liked SummerSlam. I thought it was way better than WrestleMania. It had faults. I love No Mercy, and I really liked uh, Hell in a Cell. So if they can keep this momentum going um, and get rid of certain aspects, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor, <laughs> um, I think that you know the WWE is gonna, going in a good direction creatively. So let's hope that stays. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of stuff happened. We, we will get into Hell in a Cell. But before that, we got some topics. So, uh, you know, why don't we talk about some topics, and I'll let Rick take us into topics and news. Love, 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 love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that has nothing to do with anything, but still, I'm going to freaking use it every single time because it's Rick saying love, love, dub, dub. So if you don't <laughs> watch Rick and Morty, get the fuck on it. Anyways, all right, guys. Let's uh, talk about the first thing, which I was expecting Mr. Juwan, now that I think about it, to call him, but he forgot probably that we'd go on at 7. So whatever, me and you will talk about it, Chris, and if he calls in later, I will re-go over it with him because I know he's excited. Uh, We have the opposite opinions, which is funny because you were present, I think, watching wrestling when S.H.I.E.L.D. uh, was a heel faction and then for the short time that they were a babyface faction before they broke up. I didn't see any of that. I literally... Watch them as a babyface faction break up, and that's when I started watching wrestling. So it's kind of crazy between the two of us. But you didn't really want this to happen, and you definitely have good reasons for it. I didn't want it unless it was a heel uh, turn for all three of them. That didn't happen, but the Shield reunion was on Monday Night Raw. And I have to say that even though I'm kind of iffy on this just being, I mean, it is just a stunt, basically, to put Roman Reigns over. We, we all have to kind of equate that part of it is because of that. But these guys look really happy to be together and be, you know, I, I think they genuinely 
obviously from years of, uh, you know, being in the WWE and creative before that in NXT uh, beforehand. And I'm sure, you know, uh, there was – Dean and uh, Seth probably knew each other uh, from previous before that. But um, what I'm trying to say is that even if I'm not sure about their reunion – Monday Night Raw did a really great job introducing them and making it, I think, very effective. And, uh, yeah, they chose some pretty weird things. Uh, I knew that they kind of made it look, made it go back to the Roman Reigns, um, Braun Strowman feud from the past. Braun had been, you know, feuding recently with both uh, Dean and, and Seth in matches. And before that, obviously, Roman and him had a, a long, great feud. Who, who could? How the hell was that such a good feud? But they couldn't get right. <sighs> Bray Wyatt versus versus Finn Balor, and they couldn't get right Kevin Owens versus AJ Styles. I will never understand that, but still, it was. So they also went after, um, you know, and we'll go over this more. But they also went after Braun. Uh, they triple power bombed him through the the announce table at the front, um, which was actually pretty awesome. And now it seems that we're going to get a TLC match, and this doesn't make really much sense at all, but whatever, between The Bar, Sheamus and Cesaro, um, The Miz, and Braun Strowman versus S.H.I.E.L.D. And, uh, yeah, they had a night where basically the Hounds of Justice are back. They are in charge, and I don't think this is going to last long. I think there was a rumor and report going on this might be until the end of the year, and that's it. And then it might trickle on a little bit to WrestleMania, but the actual reunion will be done by then, basically. So I don't know if that means that there's going to be a heel turn or if they're just going to kind of just go their separate ways. I kind of hope that something happens. But at one point, we could have nah, – unless, unless, unless Brock were to drop it and then give it right back to Brock – well, if we're going by Brock versus Roman Reigns for the title with Brock as champion, I was going to say that maybe we'll have a time where Roman Reigns is the champion and they're the tag champions. Uh, but anyways, I'm rambling on for way too much, thanks to my monster. Uh, but I think I summed it up pretty well for our audience and laid it out for you, Chris. How did you feel about how Rob displayed the Shield reunion, and are you still hesitant on the reunion itself? I mean – to be fair, I was never hesitant on it. I don't think that it's bad. I just don't think that Seth and Dean needed it, and I don't really think that Roman needed it. I think it's a nostalgia pop type deal. Um, I do like that they went the route that I was talking about where bring, they brought the, the Miz into the fold and the Miz Taraj. Though I don't know where uh, – is Bo Dallas injured right now? Um, I think that's what they're alluding to. I don't know if that was, uh, you know, uh, kayfabe or real. I have no idea. Okay. Um, I, I do like that they chose the Miz to kind of be the spearhead of this situation against um, against the Shield, so to speak, because they have built up a, a little bit of a feud between him and uh, Seth in the past and Dean in the past. Uh, and then you also have the bar uh, just deciding that they're going to, you know, beat up the, the tag team champions, which makes sense. Um, or former tag team champions? They didn't have the Monday. Did they lose the belts and I forgot about it? Am I just completely crazy? No. No, they, okay, they so left they just, that shit at home. Okay, so they just left the belt at home, apparently. Um, apparently. But, I mean, to me, it made sense. And then bringing Braun into the fold gives you a out in a scenario where you want to break off uh, – 
if you want to break Roman Reigns back off by himself, he could be like, I don't, I don't need your help for Braun if they keep like interfering in his matches and stuff. So I feel like they kind of worked it the way that I would have worked it if I had to go down this path. It's, and it's not that I dislike the shield. Like I like the shield in their first runs. I just thought that like all of those superstars kind of elevated away from the shield with the exception of Roman. And as Roman starts to break out, like he has been this year, putting him back in this just reminds people that he's still, still, he's still basically Roman from the shield. Um, as far as like how his gimmick looks and the fact he's still using the music. Uh, I hope they add the intro back to their music for TLC with the, uh, the alpha beta, the whole call out at the beginning and maybe they come down through the audience and do something cool. Like if you're going to do it, go all out with it. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, overall, I think it's a cool thing. I think a lot of fans r- really, really enjoy it. I think I'm in the minority of people that, you know, aren't super stoked on it. Um, because to me, you're taking three main event players who could be in other good singles matches kind of out of the equation. And maybe it's just they don't have a lot for them to do. So now's the time to do it with Samoa Joe being hurt and uh, Finn being tied up with Bray Wyatt and this weird angle they're doing with him. Uh, that kind of leaves. And then, of course, Brock being gone. Um, it gives you a way to tie this up as like a pretty, like put a pretty bow on a main event. Um, the thing that scares me is like what the mid card is going to look like for TLC. Um, other than, uh, I mean, because you're basically putting your tag champs and your intercontinental champ in one match, and then most of your top guys in one match. So that makes me fearful that oh. the TLC is be pretty bad. <laughs> you know, which I is think one reason. Yeah, that was the one reason I was hesitant about putting... That's the only reason I was hesitant about putting those three guys together anyways to begin with is that, like I said, the Raw roster is so top-heavy and those are three of their top guys and now you're throwing the Miz in the mix too as their mid-card guy. So you're building the rest of the show around like an Elias Samson-Apollo Cruz match and I don't know. I'm assuming they're going to have some sort of tag match or wow. probably Enzo Amore versus Kalisto and then a women's match. But, like, the rest of that pay-per-view is looking super lacking um, from that standpoint. And it'll kind of look that way until they get Samoa Joe back and, and can kind of float some of these guys out or get Brock Lesnar to show back up for a pay-per-view because right now it's, they don't have a lot for these guys to do. Um, but the problem with that is that, like I said, the roster's pretty top-heavy and – it's kind of where they're at. No, I agree. That that that's crazy. I didn't think about that, but yeah, this doesn't really, this doesn't uh, leave a lot for the actual pay per view. Um, I'm I'm assuming that this is going to be the longest match within it, and they're trying to save a pretty big chunk of time, like they did with Hell in the Cell uh, with their main event. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a good point because they don't have their champion. Their Intercontinental title uh, champion is actually involved in this match. Their tag champions are also involved in this match. So, basically, I see Matt Hardy and Jason Jordan versus the club for probably the pre-show match. Uh, Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor, which no one really cares or wants to see. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be – at least we get that one match. And I'm sure another one's going to be turned into a TLC match. But yeah, just overall. But anyways, let's 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 think about like some of the stuff that we could see going on with Shield. Um, man, I guess the first question, just short answer: Do you see Shield beating Braun Strowman, The Bar, and The Miz, or do you think possibly that somewhere in this maybe The Miz like just dips like right at the beginning and gets the hell out of there? 
I could definitely see his ass doing that, leaving the bar with Braun Strowman. I feel like this is a situation where you could see someone like The Miz leave the match and then come back when everyone else is down and win. And win it. And, some, and win <laughs> the match. Um, that seems very, very Miz-like. Uh, and then it also gives you an opportunity to set up a feud uh, with Roman versus uh, Miz if you wanted to go that route. And then you can at least get the Intercontinental title on a top star. And that gives you some more matches at the top of the card. It also gives all the all the titles to the Shield. And then you have like a controlling faction similar to the Four Horsemen or something if you wanted to go that route. But you got to set it up more so than just the Miz and them in this match. And to have the Miz get like a shitbag heel win... Um, against the Shield on the Shield's pay-per-view debut would be a good way to uh, get get fans a little more interested in it, I would, I would say. All right, let's let's go past that. Um, you know, it, it looks like we're going to see these guys together for multiple pay-per-views. If they are to go to Survivor Series, obviously people are going to want to see them go against three other individuals from SmackDown. Um, do you think that could be the New Day? The way they've been building this New Day um, Uso's respect angle, I think that you could have a situation where you're going to have the New Day and the Usos with maybe, say, um, AJ Styles or, or, or Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, depending on how they want to build that out um, and build it that way. And then that gets you back if something fucked up happens in the match with with the Usos and uh, New Day, or even with the Usos and Kevin Owens and uh, Sami Zayn. That gives you like a good tag team feud going forward. So I think they could play something like that because they're going to have. You could also end up seeing Randy Orton in in a Survivor Series match because it's usually six people, right? So I'm assuming it's going to be a six v six. So I could see him utilizing someone like Randy Rhodes and Ty Dillinger in those slots as well for SmackDown. I was actually, I was actually singing and not, not, not the, uh, the SmackDown raw versus match. I could see them with shield, uh, having the shield go against some other type of tag, uh, team put together like a trio. Uh, the only one I could really think is a new day. I mean, unless Chris Jericho were to come back and they threw him in with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, which would be fucking awesome. But I don't, I don't think that it's going to happen. Jericho has recently said he will be, coming back to WWE at some point. Like, don't think he's done, basically. He made a big deal about that. But either way, I'm just saying, like, for the Shield specifically, do you think they're going to put them, all three of them, in with the – it's usually four. They've done six before. But, like, say it's a six-on-six, do you think they would throw Shield for Raw's side with other people or have a separate match where they have an elimination tag match with Shield versus someone like the New Day? The only the, the only problem with that is you have to get the tag titles off them if you want to do that, right? Unless you're going to have tag titles versus tag titles or something, because then you're just wasting a match, kind of. I don't I don't know. To me, it's like Raw doesn't Ultimate have enough. Series. Yeah, Raw doesn't have enough top tier talent to have multiple elimination matches, and and SmackDown's roster is kind of in a weird spot too. Now that Baron Corbin has a title and Jinder has a title, you got to have at least two people chasing those titles. They have to be defended, and uh, somebody's got to go after Brock because Brock's going to be at Survivor Series. So that leaves the Survivor Series match, and usually you have a tag title match of some sort. So I don't know what we're going to 
what we're going to get well, out of that. But my assumption would be, my assumption would be, you want the Shield in the big main event. And last year they booked the, uh, they did Survivor Series. The Survivor Series match so well last year that I think they might go with the same format and throw a bunch of top guys in that match. Um, otherwise, it just becomes a throwaway match a lot of times. So. I don't know. I could see, like I said, I think it would be cool to see a 6v6 match or even some, like even something like the Shield and Samoa Joe versus uh, like the Usos and the New Day or something. Um, or, or, the Uso, or the Usos and, and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Like, you know, at least some people in there that are big names for SmackDown. I, I mean, I guess you could do AJ Styles, but I really feel like AJ Styles is either going to be going after a title or be you know, in, in in a in a he's going to be in a, like a title match of some kind. Whether what about it's AJ in the club versus the Shield? Huh? Yeah, but you have to have a superstar shakeup, right? They're on separate rosters, yeah, so. Well, I mean, I guess you could do Ballard, but they're on the same show, so that'd be boring. Um, I don't know. We've been saying for a long time the club should go to SmackDown. Anyways, so they have nothing for them to do. But then on SmackDown, they just showed us how big the tag division really is. So that was pretty, uh, that was pretty eye-opening. But, um, but I feel like way, there's, there's definitely a way to establish Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn by then as being badass uh, teammates again because they've teamed together in PWG like I opened up with earlier or talked about earlier. Um, I feel like that you could get some really cool – matches between the or one really cool match between the with the shield and and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and someone else. Uh, Chris Jericho. Pick Think about it. Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho would be great. Um he doesn't necessarily have to forever. agree with them. I mean even someone like um God, I don't I'm like Ty Dillinger or someone you could throw someone else in there that's not necessarily their oh, friend Canadian. and then that could create that could create drama. Um, but there's ways you could do it. It could be interesting. I just think, like, the four or the six-man format tends to work better. And they're going to have that match no matter what because they always do. So it's just weird to throw the shield in a separate match. And then also, like, if I, I hope that they get the tag titles off them by then somehow. But I don't, I don't know. Um, I would also, you know, if they all go in holding titles to the Survivor Series match, they could do a weird title stipulation where if you're – if your team gets eliminated, the other team is still in, they win titles. I don't know. That's such a weird thing. Survivor Series is always the hardest thing for me to book because it's like, I just want to see the people I want to see wrestle each other. Like, I wish it was just a brand versus brand pay-per-view the whole way through. So it's like, you finally get Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles. Like, it lets you set stuff up like that would be more interesting to me than the actual Survivor Series match itself and whether titles are defended or not, but they, they don't ever really do that, so... It's always it always becomes like a fantasy booking thing in my mind. It's like, well, how many people can I put in that top Survivor Series match that I really want to see be in the ring together? And I think last year they got pretty close. Like there was a bunch of good people in that top match. Uh, you had like, yeah, Shane McMahon. Uh, was it Shane, Kevin, Chris AJ Jericho. Wright, and Chris Jericho versus and Randy Roman Randy. and Seth. Dean was in there. They had like six. It was a six. It was a six versus six match, right? Or a five versus five yeah. match. I know. I know. And like they just had a top. It was Roman had, and Dean, and on the other side it was Seth, I believe. Because at one point they said screw it, and that's the first time they had their little mini reunion, and then uh, powerbomb someone. It was maybe it was Jericho. Super powerbombed him through the thing and left. Um, 
But yeah, that was really good. That was a really good match. What you know, all I, all I really care about, Chris, you don't want to see the New Day versus the Shield. God, why do you hate no, I, like everything? No, I do. I would love to see the New Day versus the Shield. My problem is is that you're putting the New Day, who are tag team competitors, against single competitors who are in a faction who are going to get pushed to the moon because well, they have Roman okay. Reigns. And I feel like it makes the, it'll make the New Day look weak, and I don't want the New Day to look weak. I think the New Day and them can have a great match together, but at the end of the day, everyone knows the New Day is going to lose to the Shield. If you, if you told me they're going to put the New Day over the Shield in a match and it's going to elevate the New Day and you're going to get, like, a singles run by, like, Kofi again or by Xavier Woods again, then I'd be totally down for it. But that's not what, that's not realistic, and that's not what would happen in that match. Do with your booking logic. It just ruins everything. God. All right. Anyways, let's move on into the next topic. But before that, if you guys want to call in, ask a question to the show, it is 929-477-3781. You'll be on hold. Press 1 to ask a question. And obviously we'll have you on the show and you'll ask a question and all that type of stuff. All right. Uh, all right. This whole entire Neville thing. Did Neville quit the WWE or is this all the work and he's transitioning to SmackDown like originally rumored? I'm just – that's the statement. I'll drive it to you first, Chris, and then I will uh, figure out what I think about this whole entire thing. I feel like Neville is a good fit if he – if they're trying to move him to the main roster, is a good fit for the SmackDown brand. I feel like that he can fill kind of a gap with people like uh, Ty Dillinger and uh, Baron Corbin and, and uh, Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode kind of the mid-card people that are going to be going for the U.S. title. Maybe even like a Sensuke Nakamura, and his body size works better on SmackDown than it does Raw if he's dead set on being outside of the Cruiserweight division. I feel like he is a better fit there. Um, so if it, it it could make sense. I mean, there's ways to book that where it's like, you know, um, or if they just wanted to do a trade, if they wanted to get, you know, Ziggler back on Raw or uh, whatever, that, that gives them an out for that, where they could shake up a couple superstars based on, like, a trade. Like I said, I wish they would utilize, if they're going to do stuff like this, I wish they would utilize it more towards, um, like, a shitty sports personality in real life, where it's like, okay, well, we're just going to trade these two, and then make it, like, an actual thing where Kurt and Shane or Kurt and Daniel do a trade together, and they actually talk about it, like, on the phone or via satellite or whatever the fuck they do, and they do a trade. Um I think that makes more sense than just like the superstar shakeup. It's just randomized. It's like what general manager would agree to that if they're if like when SmackDown was kicking Raw's ass pretty much each week, like and having better shows, like why would he want to send anyone that was on his roster over to Raw? It doesn't make any sense. So like if you make it like a trade deadline where you're trying to better your show and stuff. I know I keep coming back to that, but I think it's a it's an important point that they just miss out on for no reason. No, I, I not only do I think it's an important point, but I I completely agree with you. If they're going to do these like little videos in the background of NXT events of 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 uh, Daniel Bryan and Kurt Angle scouting people, yeah. It, not only that, you could you could put this on their Facebook like a feed, like hey, we have an announcement to make. You know, just getting the whole social media uh, involved in it because that's a big aspect WWE likes to do. You have Daniel Bryan and Kurt Angle both on like you know camera basically. They don't even have to be in the same room and discussing a finalized trade and announcing it through social media. I mean, or obviously they could do it on Raw or SmackDown. I mean, there's there's multiple ways to do it. But, uh, yeah, treating it like 
it's a national sport is not really a bad thing. The, the shakeups are kind of dumb. And, you know, obviously I don't think Kevin Owens is going anywhere anytime soon. But if he did, he, they probably wouldn't have been a trade for Samoa Joe. They probably would have just placed him on both places. But let me, let me, let me dive a little bit in this whole entire Neville thing. So apparently, from, from the facts that we know, in the story, Neville wasn't happy. Well, in the story and apparently in real life. I'm saying apparently because there's contradiction concepts, so we'll get to that. Um, apparently he quit. He walked out um, on Raw last week afterwards. Um, he wasn't happy that he didn't have the belt anymore, that Enzo had the belt. Um, and then followed up, he put a Twitter uh, post of his T-shirt just complaining about how horrible it is for someone that's supposed to be the uh, king of cruiserweights. It was reported that, not not official or anything like that, that he had quit the company. Um, but now reports are saying that this is actually all work, and we're supposed to believe that the original rumors that he was coming to SmackDown, that this is actually going to be transitional stuff. Like, he believes 205 Live, which is going to bury 205 Live more, but that's beneath him, and he's leaving to come to SmackDown. Like, they're separate entities or whatever. Um, look, I... If it's real, if, if this is true and he actually did leave, I hope Neville the best. He's one of the best in-ring performers in the business. Uh, he's incredible in the ring. Uh, our next uh, you know, news report about Ricochet kind of sucks because I've always wanted to see the two of them perform together because I think they would have great matches. But, you know, uh, very similar to actually Austin Aries, Neville believes that he's better when he's working with guys that are bigger than him. This is something that he's admitted on podcasts and in interviews that he likes working with smaller guys, but he doesn't want to be confined to that, that he likes telling stories with different types of wrestlers. And I completely understand the man can work his ass off and even get someone of amateur status like Stephen Amell, train him in enough time to actually make him good in the ring, for crying out loud, for the WrestleMania match. Or not WrestleMania, I think it was SummerSlam. Either way, um, if it's not true and he's going to SmackDown, great. Um, I would love to see Neville on... Like, even what Chris is saying, the mid-card level, uh, you know, I think he would add a lot of... He would add a great heel that I think SmackDown's missing, because the only other heels are Jinder and Kevin Kevin Owens, which are good, but, well, you know, Jinder's whatever. Uh, but they could use uh, a little bit more of that edge in there, and he could have great matches with half the guys over there and be a very believable U.S. champion. What sucks is I'd love to see Neville actually go over, you know, seas. Uh, go to progress and and maybe even beat um, man I forgot the champion of the UK belt holy crap Pete Dunne for the belt you know and bring it back over here and start carrying it around SmackDown I mean they could do a lot of stuff with Neville but you know unfortunately I feel like nonetheless will be put in the background uh, let me ask you Chris between the two scenarios of Neville getting out going to somewhere like Ring of Honor New Japan or he's now transitioning to SmackDown. Which out of those two scenarios do you think would actually be better for Neville? Oh, it's so hard to say because I know I would assume that he's making really good money in WWE. Um, if he goes to New Japan, he's going to be in the lightweight division, which he can have good matches there for sure. Um, but he's got to well, rebuild right. himself. He's, he's got to he's got to reestablish himself. He's not been over in that with that crowd for a long time. I feel like what you're talking about with the UK title is a very interesting idea, especially if they're going to do that tournament again. Um, maybe he is upset. Maybe he's just burnt out. And he wants a little bit of a break. 
they could easily do that. The, the other thing to keep in mind about Neville with these guys working um, the cruiserweights is they're working double to triple the amount of someone that's just on Raw because they're going to be on Raw and then they're in the next city on SmackDown. Um, and they're doing, you know, they're doing two matches a week in a pay-per-view in some instances. So it could just be that he was burnt out because he was the top guy. So he was always on Raw and he was always on um, 205 Live, um, whether he was wrestling or not, and he was always on the pay-per-view. Um, and it also, the, the merch thing really does make sense for me because merchandise is like a, a huge part of wrestlers' paychecks. And the fact that he's, they're not even, they don't give a shit. If they don't really, if they really don't give a shit about his merch and they're not putting any kind of advertisement in him and he has been the guy and has had debatably some of the best matches this year as far as the main card goes, uh, him and Austin Aries specifically, their WrestleMania match was really, really good. And the follow-ups that were really good, minus that one stipulation match, which was just, wasn't a bad match, but it, I think the stipulation hurt it. Um, it's just really, it's a weird situation that he, he's kind of in. So, I mean, if he's really is fed up, I would love to see him go to Ring of Honor um, or back to the UK. Uh, New Japan would be a tough fit for him because I just think they have so much talent in their lightweight, light heavyweight division right now that he, uh, he might get looked over a little bit. But, I, I mean, I could be completely wrong. Who knows? I hope that he stays Um, in WWE and does either something like you said with the UK title and that builds some matches on NXT with someone like Pete Dunne because they'll have phenomenal fucking matches that everyone will talk about. Um, And you could even do like their like a big title match at WrestleMania, even if you wanted to do the undercard. I think that gives you like a big match that in your like. I don't want to say internet fans, but more people that like that style of wrestling, more of the long, long form matches like a uh, Tyler Bates and Pete Dunne would have, uh, or an Omega Okada type style match where it's going to be a more technical match and, and a longer frame of time. You give them a pre-show match that can really go. I feel like that gives you like a really, really good fucking match. It gives Neville something to do that's different. I think that he needs to be compensated for it. And he shouldn't be paid like he's an NXT superstar or like he's a UK uh, come in every once in Absolutely. a while star. Um, so putting the title on him and having him carry that thing around SmackDown and still wrestle on SmackDown would be really cool for him. But if he's upset about the merch and stuff, they need to just figure that out. Um, he's a great wrestler. I think he's one of, if not the best heel, a heel on Raw as far as like a top heel goes. Um and I think he did a lot for the, the cruiserweight division because he brought a lot of interest in it to begin with. And I think him and Austin Aries kind of kept 205 around for a lot longer than anyone thought it would. I know that Enzo has given it a spark uh, lately, and Kalisto coming back definitely doesn't hurt. But there for a while, I mean, it was the Neville show. Like, you're watching to see if Neville's going to have a badass match. The Neville level! So, you know, I hope he stays on WWE and I hope they figure out something for him because it'd be really cool to see someone like Neville eventually win a heavyweight title like Rey Mysterio did or win a Royal Rumble. Even. Absolutely. Or even win like something like Money in the Bank. Like, I feel like it's not that far-fetched. They've done it before. He's a great wrestler. He's fucking phenomenal shape, like better shape than some of the other smaller guys they've had win titles like Daniel Bryan or Rey Mysterio Jr. Um I feel like it's it's like he's so great in every sense of the like he's great on the mic, 
He's got a great in-ring presence. He has a very distinct look. He does kind of look like Mighty Mouse, but he does, you know, he has a very fucking distinct look. He stands <laughs> out. People like him, and he's a good fucking wrestler, and he always has good matches. So don't punish him. And if he's not okay with being in 205 Live, try to find something with him to do. Don't just go, well, okay, fuck that guy. Because he's going to go somewhere else and make you pay for it. Um, he he can go to New Japan, and, and that's going to create big matches and more internet views for them, and some of your fan base is going to get pissed off and talk about it online. It's like, why even go that route? Like, there's no sense to lose him. Find something for him to do. There's plenty of shit for him to do that's better than what they put on TV. Uh, <clears throat> Bray Wyatt. Uh, but, yeah. Sorry, Bray. We're going to throw a lot of shade on you, man. Like your in-ring ability, but, yeah, I don't know what the fuck WWE's doing to you. So, yeah, I completely agree with you on everything that you just said. Um, in New Japan, I mean, you know, you go for the, what is it, the junior um, light heavyweight, whatever uh, Kushida and Will Ospreay just, just had their match for, and uh, Will Ospreay won. But, I mean, you got a lot of great wrestlers that Neville could have some amazing matches with over there and in Ring of Honor. I mean, him and Jay Lethal. I mean, there's so many. He's such an experienced, well, I mean, like the first, great wrestler. The first one that comes to mind to me is him and Will Ospreay, right? In New Japan. Yeah, absolutely. Like, fucking, they're fucking incredible match. It would be an amazing match. They probably actually faced each other before, and I just haven't seen it. Um, but it would be a fucking phenomenal match. Um, and well, it would be something that, you would talk about. And then him, him and Kushida, because what would happen is he's going to end up in the light heavyweight tournament, right? And he's going to go against everyone that they have. And he's going to try to make WWE pay for it. If they really have put, pissed him off like that, he's going to go out and try to have the best matches with everyone that he can have. And he's going to have some phenomenal fucking matches, especially against some of those guys and, and, over in New Japan. Well, not only that, now, now that Will's a champion, like, could you imagine if this really is happening, he's leaving and he ends up showing up on even Ring of Honor. I mean, the potential, the fact that he might go against Will Ospreay for the title. Uh, yeah, sign me the fuck up. That's all I have to say. Uh, but either way, I think what me and Chris are trying to say is that we like Neville as a wrestler, and wherever he goes, we hope that that's going to be the right transition for him, I guess if that makes sense. But let's talk about another wrestler going to WWE. Uh, apparently, our boy Ricochet is in apparent negotiations to join WWE. All right, I guess the first question uh, that I'll ask you, Chris, is does that concept of him going to WWE scare you or do you understand, based on how he's leaving Lucha Underground, I think I think they're ending, and he's not, he's not happy with the transition there. Uh, obviously, he's not going to TNA. I think he's made many things about that. He's basically had a bunch of outings recently. Um, so do you think WWE is, is the right place for Ricochet? We know that he's a brilliant performer, but will they waste him, basically, and his potential? I think it depends on how much money Ricochet wants to make more than anything else. Because what I assume that they're going to do with Ricochet is put him in NXT and have him yep. have matches against people like Eric Young and Chris Hero and um, or Cassius Ono. And Yes. And he's going to have amazing matches with those guys. And I think that he could be, if they wanted to move him, he could definitely be like SmackDown's. Seth Rollins. They're about the same body size. They can do very similar things in the ring. He, he still, to me, is believable as a heavyweight competitor. What I hope that they don't do is put him on 205 Live because he can do cool flippies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, make it special. Absolutely. And make, 
make him a star. Like you let Seth Rollins does like a Phoenix Phoenix splash. Like let Ricochet be Ricochet. Uh, don't change his name, <laughs> please. But if you Seriously. do, like, make sure it's not something super lame. Like, please make sure it's not something super lame. Like, Cassius Ono is, like, I feel so dumb saying that because he was Chris Hero for so fucking long. And when they first did it, it was because it was going to be, his nickname was going to be KO. And then when he came back, there was already Kevin Owens. So it's like, it was like, God damn it. So, like, yeah, um, I, I think it could be cool. I would love to see him on NXT. I feel like there's a lot of great matches you could have there right now. Um, oh man, him and Johnny wrestling would tear down the house. But then just like seeing him versus uh, AJ Styles again in SmackDown, that would also be really fucking awesome. Um, I don't know, man. I I thought he was pretty happy in Japan, so I'm not sure if maybe he's looking to work more of a longer schedule in Japan, or if he's. I know there's definitely talks of him signing a WWE contract, but I'm pretty sure they're going to put him in developmental. So I don't. I don't know what these developmental contracts look like anymore, but I know a lot of people have said that they would make more money on the indie scenes. And I hope that they're starting to transition away from that, knowing the end game is if I sign this person up for more money originally, then I transition them to the main roster. I'm eventually going to make money off this person. So I hope they're thinking like that. They're not like trying to short these guys money because it would suck to lose out on a wrestler like Ricochet because you don't want to offer him more money than he's going to make on the indies. Yeah, that would be a really bad, bad loss. And um, I think I think him and, um, oh, man, Cedric Alexander used to have a tag team. I mean, they could definitely put that spark in later on or something like that. I always say that Cedric Alexander is one of my favorite wrestlers I think is being wasted on 205 Live. There's a lot of them, and I don't want to see Ricochet uh, have that same process. If they started treating 205 like, you know, it was more than the, the doorstep of the last resort style place like Enzo's been, you know, used for, I would say, great. He'd, he'd probably have a title and, and have an amazing uh, run, probably longer than Neville's. But, uh, no, I'd rather see him be treated like Finn Balor and uh, Seth Rollins, some of the smaller guys, and get a chance to rough it up with some of my favorite other wrestlers. Because Rick Shea's an incredible wrestler, and uh, yeah, we're not going to see Prince Puma anymore, which is unfortunate, um, and if he's not going to be in New Japan, he might as well be on NXT tearing up with some of my favorite wrestlers in the WWE, which is crazy, but maybe one day NXT will get the uh, proper treatment it deserves and just be considered by itself, but uh, we could hope for I that will, and wish, I, wish I on the other hand and, you know, what were you going to say, Chris? I'll follow this up by saying I hope that they don't just look at him as a great in-ring athlete and they don't give him a chance to, like, do anything with his personality. Because at that point, if they're just going to put him on 205 because he's just good in the ring. Um, don't even bother. It's it's not even worth it because, like, what 205 needs is more big personalities. Like, it, like that's well, what you know, works so well with Enzo Amore going down is that he was an established guy who can talk on the mic and can do more. Like, right now, they have a ton of really good wrestlers, but they don't give them a chance to have their personality shine. And I, I feel like, I, to me, like, Ricochet is, like, similar size to, like, Johnny Mundo. And Johnny Mundo was at the top of the WWE card before he left. So there's no reason why Ricochet should not be on the main roster and doing top-level shit with good people. Um, 
So hopefully they give him a shot with on good NXT. people. <sighs> with good people, like don't put him against. When I, let me clarify, not because like smaller guys aren't good, but don't put him against like fucking Baron Corbin for six weeks straight. What was that, sir? Don't put him against like Baron Corbin for six weeks straight, or like you know, give, give, like give him something that means something. Don't don't give him like a Ty Dillinger push if you're going to take him straight to like the main roster. I mean, that would be uh, even if he was in NXT. I mean, he's someone that can transition through that really quickly, not even get the title, just be his name, not lose a lot or anything like that, and just go through it. I guess I guess that is a Ty Dillinger approach, but I mean, I think the difference is Ricochet has a lot more. Um, Notoriety, I guess. Um, but I don't know. We'll uh, find out. And like I said, we'll hopefully next week we'll know more about Neville and whether or not he left WWE and Ricochet and whether or not he's actually coming to WWE. Hey, question, Chris. What's the name of the uh, ex-New Japan um, IGP uh, tag champions? They're the Vikings. Uh, War Machine? War Machine, thank you. I don't remember what I was going to say. But, hey, you know how there was a uh, rumor, and I, I have no clue if it's true or not, but uh, War Machine was apparently coming to WWE? Well, I think they said, you guys stay in New Japan. We're going to create our own War Machine because on SmackDown, Eric Rowan and Luke Harper re-debuted on SmackDown, introducing them as the Bludgeon Brothers. <sighs> My God. All right, this could be a really fun tag team. The whole premise is absolutely ridiculous. I didn't know if they were going for, like, Mad Max, Fury Road, Vikings, Pirates with Thor hammers. I didn't – it was just basically a LARPing session gone completely wrong. But um, maybe they'll be a strong tag team, and we'll be able to see them have some great matches, even though Eric Rowan is as stiff as a board. But, once again, I'll to say this over and over again, they are completely underutilizing Luke Harper. Um, did you see this introduction on SmackDown, Chris, and how did you feel about the Bludgeon Brothers? You know, I did. I saw it, and I didn't really have a problem with it, just because I don't feel like they see Luke Harper the same way that uh, maybe a lot of other wrestling fans see Luke Harper, and I don't know why that is. Holy. Um, and I don't really have the answer for that. I feel like Luke Harper does a lot of really good in-ring work, even with smaller guys. I'm not as big on Eric Rowan. I think Eric Rowan is a good tag team partner for Luke Harper, and I feel like they do work good as a tag team, like even going back to when they were part of the Wyatt Brothers having matches against the uh, Shield and uh, a few other of the tag matches that they had as a three-piece. Um, I thought that they were a really good like crew together and like they click and they work well. So it makes sense. I feel like it gives uh, the Usos some legitimate competition outside of the New Day. So I feel like it's good for SmackDown. Um, as the brand that has consistently had the best tag team matches, I, I feel like that they can get some matches with the Usos. And uh, I don't know, man. I don't hate it. I don't necessarily love the gimmick that they saddled them with. But, you know, they haven't really established anything but a vignette. So we'll see. It could be really cool. They might, like, actually hit people with hammers or something. I mean, that would be cool if they just, like, came out there and just bludgeoned someone with a hammer, just killed, like, you know, I don't know, one of the announcers just for no reason. Everyone's like, what the hell? And then they just play the match afterwards like nothing just happened. That could be their shtick. I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah, uh, Luke Harper, I don't know. It just really comes back to 
witnessing him in the ring and seeing a lot of people wanting him to get pushed, it just sucks. I mean, they're, they're doing something with Sammy now, but apparently one of the things that really bothered Mick when he was with the WWE is he told them, I see a lot of potential in Sami Zayn, and I see a lot of potential in Luke Harper, and they didn't really listen to him at all, which is funny because the thing that he sees in Luke is something that he thinks that they didn't see in him when he first came to wrestling. Uh, you know, so it's what it is. Uh, I do hope that this ends up just being a badass tag team. And, you know, just like with SmackDown, with that intro with all the tag teams coming out, they have a lot of fun tag teams. I really don't know why the Hype Bros are still together, but maybe we'll find that out one day along with what the hell's going on with Fandango's, uh, you know, briefcase. Uh, someone made a suggestion that might be Gold Dust. Uh, maybe that was like his new protege he's going to take under his wing that he was referring to. Probably not. It was just a Pulp Fiction reference, but very creative thinking, whoever uh, suggested that. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Do you have any closing statements, Chris, about this before I move on to the next one? No, I mean, I guess the last thing I would say overall is uh, I don't want everyone to shit on it immediately. My my biggest problem with it is the Ascension is kind of already Road Warrior-ish slash like Absolutely. an Egyptian type type deal. So hopefully they differentiate it enough so it's cool. But it's like also, do they really need a gimmick other than they used to be Wyatt Brothers? Like they're fucking giant monster ass people. Like they just need to come out in fucking street clothes and beat the fuck out of people and then talk about how they beat the fuck out of those guys. Like in all honesty. So like, I, I don't know. I'm curious to see how it plays out. I hope they don't try to go over the top with it like they did with the Wyatt Brothers. I hope it's more just like, they called them this because they literally bludgeon people and beat the shit out of them. Like, I hope they keep it simple and they don't like way overdo the gimmick and like have masks and all sorts of crazy stuff. Like the vignette didn't look too crazy to me, um, but we'll see. It looked pretty wackadoo to me, but you know, I am willing to find out what, what will happen um, as we go on. All right. Uh, next one. Okay. So Jim Cornette and uh, Santa Morella, uh, Santino Morella, I should say, uh, the guy with the cobra hand, that was originally, when he came to WWE, Russian. And I think he had like a Fedor Emelianenko-style concept going for him. And then they switched him to Italian and then Spanish with the cobra hand. I don't know. I don't really pay attention to details when it comes to stuff like that. But either way, Jim Cornette and Santino Morella got into a verbal altercation at the house show. Apparently, this all stems back to a time period in which Jim Cornette was working for WWE. Santino Morella um, was told by creative, especially Jim Cornette, to take Boogeyman seriously and to make it really look like he's a threat. And Santino, I guess, started laughing on camera. When he got in the back, Cornette being Cornette, slapped him several times before people broke them up. Uh, and because of that, Jim Cornette was fired from WWE. So we cut to now. Uh, they're both not knowing that the other is a part of the card they are at at a house show. Uh, they, Jim Cornette sees Santino Morella. Santino Morella apparently walks in a beeline towards him. They had uh, a lot to say about each other. And then Jim Cornette, who people are videotaping at, that, at this point, um, starts screaming, uh, this man is trying to attack me, his mother... Effer is trying to attack me, get him the F away from me, and uh, got really pissed off at the venue, uh, bitched him out. They calmed him down. Um, 
you know, and then he came out, Santino saw him again, amped him up, was trying to get him to punch him in the face. It's a lot of back and forth bull crap. And then later on that night, uh, this, this happened, I think, this last weekend, if not last week, um, he went to a Bruce Pritchard show. I guess he had like a comedy show slash, you know, kind of like what Mick Foley does. Um, and flashes genitalia uh, while wasted in front of the whole entire audience while Bruce was performing. So, Jim had a very, very great night. Um, what the hell? Type of st- this, is, this is amazing, even for professional wrestling. And the fact that this is real is the best part. It sounds like an angle from the Attitude Era, like one of the bad ones. But no, 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 nonetheless, it's real. Um, how do you feel about this, Chris? I don't, I don't even know how to sum that up besides that. Man, this this stuff happened like 10 years ago between them. And yes, he smacked Santino and everyone gave Santino crap about it. But Santino should be like a legitimate professional about this. He doesn't need this in his career. Like, I'm not going to say that he's wrong for trying to start shit with Jim Cornette because Jim Cornette did slap him, you know, legit challenge. Um, but at the same point, it's like both of you guys were hired to do a show. Just do the show for the fans. Like, get the fuck over what happened 10 years ago. And, like, Jim Cornette, like, I I don't always agree with Jim Cornette. I do find him funny. Um, I think that he has a wealth of knowledge about old-school wrestling that is kind of lost in modern times a lot of times. But I don't want to go to the extent that he goes where he shits on everything that's different. Um, but, man, like, don't pull your genitalia out. Don't get so drunk that you're doing shit like that. Same thing with, like, <laughs> with Rick. When Ric Flair is, like, punching fans at, like, basketball games a while back, it's like, take a step back, bro, and assess what's going on in your life. And, I don't know, maybe chill. Don't let the gimmick take over who you are as a person. Because I feel like part of Jim Cornette, it's just a gimmick, you know? And a lot of it is just for entertainment value, pulling your dick out, like... If there's, like, there could have been ladies in the crowd and stuff, he's lucky he didn't get, like, arrested for it. Like, G.G. Allen used to get arrested for that kind of shit. And, like, nowadays, that's a lot bigger deal than it was when G.G. Allen was doing it. So, it's like, maybe don't pull your dick out. It's probably the worst time period for him to do that (laughs) kind of shit. With all the shit with Weinstein and stuff like that, and everyone getting called out for stuff. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? I mean, it's just no one, like, it's not, I mean, it's not really funny. It's not entertaining. Like, Jim Cornette wasn't known as the guy that pulled, I mean, it feels like Val Venus doing, like, a fake dick joke or something. Apparently it was a and shot at make... Joey Ryan, but I didn't I didn't hear the joke beforehand. Um just 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 dumb. I mean, I like Corny a lot. I love listeners podcasts. I think the man's intelligent as hell. But he has one hell of a temper and his mouth will keep on running, but it doesn't seem like, you know, he he's he's willing to run away, jump in a car and hit you with it. But um, you know, he's he's crazy, I mean, man. Be, he's 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 a little bit fair, Santino Morella is like way ass younger than him, way fucking bigger than him. Oh, like yeah. he would demolish Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette did it because he knew he had people that would back him in WWE when he slapped him. Um, and the reasoning, while not sound, it's a very old school mindset of like, do your fucking job, don't be giggling. It's not hilarious. Jim Cornette's still very old school. He always will be why he'll never have, like, a job in the WWE again. It's probably why he'll never have a job in the Ring of Honor again. Um, so it's, I don't know. 
I just, I kind of wish that he would just calm down and just have funny takes on wrestlers that he doesn't like. I think that's enough uh, for his fans and the cult of Cornette to, to just enjoy. And I feel like he maybe took it a bit too far. And hopefully, you know, even it doesn't even excuse it if he was drunk. You know, that's not really – at some point, it's just like you're just being kind of a shitty person. So um, hopefully he – steps back and assesses it, maybe even apologizes for it. I, I don't feel like he will, but he probably should. Um, not only to the, the venue that he was working that night, but the the comedy show that he was working that night, because he could have got the venue in trouble as well as Bruce Pritchard and um, a lot of other stuff. So I don't know. It's just dumb all around. Um, and like I said, I don't even have any problems with Cornette. I mean, you've talked about Jim Cornette's podcast before. We enjoy certain things and disagree with other things. Um. But, yeah, I mean, that was just overall just really stupid. And it's also dumb on Santino Morella's part. Like, I, I, it's just something that he should be over. He's plenty of money in WWE. He went on to prove that he was a decent wrestler. He did have a very, like, a very specific stick, but there's nothing wrong with that. Like, Jim Cornette has a very specific stick as well. That's, you know, it's just dumb all around. I, I would expect more from two professionals that I was paying. I was the booker of that show, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I guess, you know, that's part of it is that he probably should have told them that they were on a show together. It's not like it's a secret that those two don't like each other. Yeah. And I think that's why Corny got mad. Apparently, I think Dave Metzl were saying that, um, uh, he, I didn't hear it, but he did one of his Jim Cornette rants, uh, to, um, you know, uh, put himself over about the whole entire situation recently. So I'll be sure to check that out tomorrow. But, uh, you know, Jim Cornette, he is a crazy, crazy motherfucker, but I respect the shit out of him. I respect him. I don't know why he does the Peter uh, Griffin voice, but you'll have to deal with me. All right. Well, we got a headline. Uh, I think everyone saw. Um, Conor McGregor might be in negotiations to appear at WrestleMania 34 in some type of match capacity. Uh, me and you talked barely briefly about this. Uh, you, you made a lot of sense that this might be like, you know, uh, something to the size of um, of uh, Gronkowski last year, uh, something like that, maybe a little bit bigger, but nothing too crazy. Uh, I kind of am thinking that they might be taking this in the Floyd Mayweather type of direction if it's like a serious thing. Um although I don't have the article in front of me, which is probably my fault, and I should, but uh, it may have sound a little bit different. Uh, but, Chris, uh, what do you think could be happening with this whole entire situation? And can we honestly see Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey both at WrestleMania this year or this next year? You know, after I, I thought about this a little bit more, um, I think it would be a neat idea to see him be a special enforcer referee a la Mike Tyson. Um, or a special guest referee in a Finn Balor match against some sort of monster, uh, whether it be, I mean, Braun Strowman would be the obvious one, but if they wanted to go the route of Brock Lesnar, uh, maybe something like that would be kind of interesting and add a spectacle to the match, similar to what it did with Sean and Stone Cold. And I feel like uh, it could work. Now, the one thing I will say about Conor McGregor, as people have heard from his promos with Floyd Mayweather, is I feel like the the, the way that this works is you actually have Conor McGregor talk and cut promos. And uh, that's just slippery slope for PGWWE. But um, I feel like that's a good, a good yeah. spot for him, like a special guest ref- referee. I don't think that he's going to go in in the next 
six months and learn how to have a professional wrestling match. Um, so to me, it's going to be in some special situations, uh, similar to like Mike Tyson thing would be really cool because they haven't done that in a long time. Um, the Floyd Mayweather thing would be cool, but he just lost to Mayweather. So it's like, do you really want to have, or do you really want to have him knock out one of your stars? So I don't know who you would even put him against. Uh, is it going to be like a comedy type the angle? Big Show. Shame that McMahon. That would be terrible. Shame McMahon. That might be a good one in a shoot match. <laughs> Shane McMahon versus Conor McGregor. Uh, that if he punches the way he does, Shane O'Mac cannot punch worth a shit. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that Conor McGregor is going to let him punch him that much, so it's not going to really matter. That's a good point. <laughs> but, That's a good point. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do with it. It's interesting. Um, I'm thinking more it'll end up being like either the Battle Royal situation or they'll make him a uh, – I don't know. It could even be something as silly as he's like the guest host like they did with the New Day or something. You know, uh, They've done that in the past as well, so it, it'll be interesting, but – I wouldn't get my hopes up. What a bunch of pieces of crap! I'm the host of the fucking here. <laughs> I wouldn't be. Uh, I wouldn't get too stoked on seeing him have an actual match. I think Ronda might have a shot at having an actual match, and I do think there is a chance that you see both of them, even if it's just from a standpoint of, hey, they're both on this talk show that we do in between matches or whatever. But I feel like it's very possible either way. I mean, if the money lines up, they're going to do it. Yeah. Hey, man, I want to see him go against a great Kali. I think that will be the best match possible. Because, <laughs> I mean, Kali has a chance because Connor's not going to be able to hit him in the face. Uh, I don't know. Uh, any Point being, I just want to see Connor on the screen going off against someone. Oh, my God. I just thought about this would never happen. But because both guys would have to get ready for it, like, already. But, man, if they had, just for the promos themselves – the Rock against against Conor McGregor, holy shit! I mean, that would sell some fucking tickets too, even if the match sucked. But just the two of them going back and forth every couple Raws or whatever, or SmackDown or whatever the fuck platform they want to put it on. I mean, it's not going to happen, like I said. But I just thought about it. I thought about who we could go back and forth with. I mean, it could be The Miz. I mean, that could probably be awful. Uh, Finn Balor, probably no one. Maybe he is just a referee. We'll have to find out. But if it's The Rock, all my money's going towards that. I don't care how horrible the match would be. That would Even if they just gotten one verbal altercation with The Rock acting as much in character, just like Connor acting as much in character, let's face it, um, that would be a lot of fun is all I'm trying to say. Man, stuff that I think about I'm just out of nowhere. Anyways, uh, last news item before we go to our two topics. Um, Chris, War Games is coming to NXT. Uh, they're bringing back the classic match that WCW made famous um, in which two rings are put together and they have a giant cage around two of them. Uh, they'll be having three teams. Usually it's two teams of four or five, I believe. Then every uh, the two guys start off and I think every couple of minutes, uh, very similar to Royal Rumble and Elimination Chamber and all that type of stuff, a person comes out until the teams are all gathered in the ring and everyone fights it out until there's a winner. Um, so instead of doing three teams, it will be uh, Powers of Pain with, oh, man, what's that? That babyface, great wrestler, horrible promo, babyface as babyface could be. Oh, um, I cannot think of the guy's name. Roderick Strong. Please. Anyways, against Sanity, 
against the whatever the hell. Uh, I forgot their 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 stick name, but Adam Cole and Red Dragon. Um, so how do you feel about the Chris? Do you, are you excited to see War Games come back, or do you think that even though it's NXT, they're still not going to hit the mark of the original concept? You know, like War Games as a match when we when we previously talked about this and they were talking about doing a WCW esque uh, pay per view was the rumor. I think it was Starcade. Uh, I had more of a problem with it because I didn't think they would involve enough previous WCW stars, uh, announcers like Mean Gene or Tony Schiavone and do some like cool, like callback stuff. And it would be cool still if they did that in NXT, but just for like a one-off war games match, like that's cool to me. I'm down to see that. I think it'll be fun. I think the people that they have in the match, um, the two, the two groups that they're going to have going against each other will be very entertaining. I think it'll be better than uh, a lot of the WCW War Games matches. I feel like there's a lot more <laughs> that they're, that they're going to do. Um, so, like, actually, I have no problem with it. Uh, I have more of a problem with when they were talking about it being Starcade to begin with, that they were going to do a Starcade pay-per-view. Because to me, Starcade is WCW's WrestleMania. Um, and it should be something yep. that's treated with respect and done very well, and it should be a really good card. Uh, and I have no problem with WWE doing it, but I just, you know, I want the WCW tie-ins, and I want it to mean, I want the matches to mean something, and um, so, but as far as, like, just, like, hey, we're going to have a War Games match, I'm like, all right, cool, that sounds fun. Because, I mean, why not? They haven't done it in so long, it'll be a really cool thing. And I, I feel like you'll get a lot of fans that want to check it out, so I'm down with it, and uh, the guys that they picked to be in it are all great wrestlers, so it'll be a lot of fun for everybody involved, I think. Yeah, actually, from what I hear, um, this is complete. War Games is going to be for NXT, maybe their own exclusive now, or maybe just one-off uh, pay-per-view. Uh, they are having Starcade, and it's going to be in Greensboro. Uh, but for the last thing I heard about it, uh, they were inviting a bunch of like alum. Apparently, the club uh, challenged the Rock and Roll Express to come in and, and fight them at it. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but I've heard. Uh, a lot of rumblings, it's going to be a house show. Um, I do know that it's on uh, November 25th during Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, so that would be the same, around the same time they're going to have uh, Survivor Series, because that's on Thanksgiving weekend too. So I really hope it's not a house show. That that would really suck. Yeah. Um, I, I, hopefully if they do a house show, we'll at least get the recording of it on WWE Live or on Facebook or something. We'll at least get some video of it. One would hope. Maybe just a record, you know, a recorded show as as a, as a as opposed to like a live pay per view. That's a cool idea. I feel like it's a waste of Starcade. I think Starcade could be a spectacle where you bring in Hall of Famers like uh, Steen and Razor Ramon, and you have them do the pre-show, and then you get like Tony Schiavone to call a match with Jim Ross um, because oh they did God. it WCW. Like, I feel like there's a lot of really cool shit that you could do. Like Mike Tenay too, man. All three of them. Yeah, I mean, obviously you can't do Bobby the Brain Heenan, uh, rest in peace, but, yeah. like, there's still a lot of really cool shit that you could do just with the announced team alone. Like, having M- uh, Mean Gene Okerlund take the, the spot of, like, what's her name, Charlotte, Charlie, for instance? Yeah. <laughs> like, Charles. Mean Gene, mean, mean Gene's better than Charlie. <laughs> just going to go on a limb and say it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's cool. It's a cool idea uh, for the War Games thing. The Starcade thing, I'm kind of still poo-poo on, unless they really hype it up. Like, I feel like uh, Great Balls of Fire, turn that into fucking Starcade, make it something that's important, put it in the middle where you don't really have a bunch of big pay-per-views put around it, 
And I think it could be something really awesome that fans could really enjoy, especially old school fans. Like your your uh your late twenties, uh mid thirties fan base will really dig that. Us, basically. I just want Halloween Havoc and Bash the Beach back, man. Those are fun, too. And all I'm saying is, this is just small little things. War Games here, a little sprinkle of Starcade there. And next year, we got a two-hour NXT Monday Nitro. No, not Monday. It wouldn't be my day. It would probably be Wednesday. That doesn't have a flow to it. Never mind. It can't happen. Screw that idea. God. All right. <laughs> let's go into our topics tonight, Chris. Uh, our first topic. I kind of wanted to go back and forth to do a little bit on this. Uh, I think that we agreed to uh, some extent, too. I, I don't think we don't. Uh, but my question to you is, are things and people like smart marks and dirt sheets hurting the fun in professional wrestling? Now, what I mean by this is that we are now part of an era where there's a lot more information out there. Uh, we, we know about stuff in advance. We might know, I mean, I think it really is going to happen, the WrestleMania main event for the title. Uh, and that was like, what, two months after last year's WrestleMania? Or this year's, I should say? You know what I'm saying. Um, I'm going by the year system, people, if you didn't understand by like WrestleMania, next day would be the season, if you will. I guess it's a better way of saying it. Um, but either way, you know, the fact that we know that, it just ruins a lot of stuff and, and different things and elements about people leaving. And, and, and your, your, your fans, you have so many... I'll say it. I mean, I, I'm kind of a, 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 an asshole myself. You know, I, I, I tend to asshole a lot. Um, but there are a lot of fucking dickheads online. <laughs> Let me just say that. You have such amazing people that just bitch about the WWE product constantly, um, but still watch it. You know, I, I don't know how many... There's always, I seems seems to be in some of my favorite podcasts, that one guy that I wonder, you bitch about everything. Sometimes they even bitch about New Japan. Why are you watching wrestling? Um, even like someone I respect to the extent of like Brian Alvarez, he was going on and on about this, about this, you know, about the whole uh, Shane McMahon thing and how him jump. And I, I do agree with him that, I mean, having your kids right there, Elbow drop, it's like, God, man, like, like, think about your health. Think about, you know, being able to walk. But he kind of went, like, way beyond that and said he's going to be a paraplegic and blah, 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 blah. And, like, I get it. I mean, I understand that. But then he started talking about later about the TLC match happening. And oh, all these guys are going to have their career shortened because of this. But, Brian, I think you still are a professional wrestler. You understand the dynamic of the industry. You understand – you know, things, the matches and stuff of these guys. And, I mean, some of the smaller stuff, everything that you do in wrestling is going to hurt you and could put your body at harm. And it's like that type of aspect drives me crazy too. And then you have these guys that are specifically New Japan, and it's like everything else, it just doesn't compare. And obviously when you're talking about a, a wrestling league industry, if you will, over there that's more in tune with the actual wrestling, well, obviously WWE's product has a lot more to do with the storyline, um, you know, it's, 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 it's just different. But you have all these people that, you know, think they know everything. And, I, you know, for the most part, I think I'm collectively in between a lot of these type of issues. But it just seems like a lot of this stuff, day in and day out, knowing what's going to happen, having everyone super analyzed and not be happy with everything, it kind of bogs down a lot of the fun in professional wrestling. Guys, we are at 
one of the best times to be a wrestling fan. We have, you know, if, if you're not an old wrestling fan, we have this uh, modern era that's based off of the eras that I loved and amplified to 100. We have not just the WWE that's really the biggest thing, you know, no one's as big as WCW for, for a rival, but we have different styles of, of stuff, you know, whether it be uh, Lucha Underground or New Japan or Ring of Honor, we have all these different avenues. Some of them don't work, obviously, like Global Force Wrestling, uh, but, you know, nonetheless, it, it's still, the product itself has expanded so much, and it just it just seems like a, a lot of people, I really equate, shouldn't if wrestling sucks so bad and it's nothing compared to what you watch, you know, kind of going back to what the Cornette stuff, why the fuck are you still talking about it? I don't understand it. And on the flip side, basically what I'm asking you, Chris, is all this stuff ever bother you? And do you think that, honestly, maybe we know way too much information about what's going on within the wrestling industry because of the social media age? I think social media does play a part of... you. Personally, me not having as much enjoyment, but the problem is, is that I enjoy wrestling so damn much that I always want more of it. So I'm going to read about it. Um, it's the same stigma that you know fantasy football fans have, or uh, people who movie just fans. Cost to sports radio, or, or movie fans like DC comic fans or Marvel comic fans. Um, it's the same thing. If you really care about something, you're going to want the most of it. The difference is uh, some of the mystique is lost. Um, some of the surprise is lost. WCW or W not WCW, but wrestling in general is is a weird art. Uh, I've heard it called one of the last theaters in the round. If you think about it, it's very. Uh, not, I went. I don't know when I compare it to like plays or Shakespeare, but it's telling a story, and it's done live every week, every Monday. It's a it's a different thing. It's different than any other type of entertainment, and the fact that people care enough about it to. Uh, watch, uh, read, listen to podcasts, listen to our podcast, and just enjoy listening to that stuff, I think is a bad thing for the business. There are toxic people out there. There's toxic people with everything. Like, just look at, um, you know, any, like, post about the Dallas Cowboys. And, like, half of those things are going to be completely negative. Um, Look at any post about, like, any sports team or any – um, any company in general, a lot of times, there's always going to be people on the internet that are going to have a problem with something that's going on or something the way it's presented. I mean, a good example is uh, like NFL when they switched their kickoff a, a couple, like not last year, but maybe the year before. Um, a lot of people freak the fuck out about that. Hockey, fighting, they uh, want to cut back fighting. People freak out about that. I mean, there's always going to be those people that have very uh, strong opinions on a sport or wrestling or entertainment. It's always going to be a thing. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Now, what I will say for people that uh, like me and you who try to read ahead of this stuff and be in the news, we are ruining it for ourselves in a bit. Um, we're taking some of the mystique out, some of the magic that made us love it as a kid. But we're also providing ourselves with entertainment by uh, being so excited about it in a lot of ways, you know? Um, so, it, I don't know, it goes both ways. I don't think it's a negative thing or a positive thing. I think it's just where the world is with social media now and how accessible wrestling is and how much you can consume. The fact that you can go on YouTube right now and, you know, watch Cherry Funk versus Jerry Lawler, um, or you can go to the WWE Network and watch every WCW pay-per-view for the past, like, 15 years. Like, you're able to have a much stronger opinion 
and you're able to back it up and, and you're going to have very uh, strong opinions. And then there's podcasts that people base their opinions on, just like a, a politician. There's people that um, hard side with Jim Cornette about wrestling. And then there's people that hard go against Jim Cornette about wrestling. It's just opinion. And I think the, the one thing that I will say, and I've said it to you before is like, don't read comments on news articles. <laughs> don't let yourself get tilted don't by do people it. on the internet. It's just going to upset you. I mean, you're going to have your opinions, and that's why we have this podcast. And hopefully people, like more people, want to listen and call in and talk about it. We can all have our opinions and, and talk about it more civilized. But like on the Internet, half the people are going to be flaming. Um, and then some of them just really have that strong opinion. And it's, you know, everyone's entitled to an opinion. It's, it's, it is what it is. But to answer your question, in a sense, yes, the business has changed. Wrestling has changed. Um, being a smart mark, which I don't necessarily really like the term because I think at, at this point, anyone over the age of maybe 10 or 12 who has constant access to the internet and is a wrestling fan is reading wrestling news. They're keeping up with it. I don't think that you have the fan that just believes in the mystique of professional wrestling anymore. Um, and that's why I think a lot of the stuff could be treated I don't want to say Vince Russo style, let's make it real as possible, but let's bring some realism into it. Like New Japan does tournaments and um, who do you think is going to win this tournament? Make that very important. And WWE's done that with some of the, uh, the cruiserweight tournament and the Mae Young tournament and doing more stuff like that to attract positive attention to your product as opposed to like, well, you know, Neville walked out on SmackDown. For all the negative things, try to attract positive stuff on the internet. Um, and don't like feed into it like what they're doing with Baron Corbin right now on Monday Night Raw, where he's like all these internet warriors, and it's like that's like very Vince Russo esque territory of like pretty much everyone has an opinion on the internet nowadays. Like I don't know what who they're. I mean, are they just talking about Dave Metz? Like they're just basically talking about Dave Metzler, right? Is that what they're going for? Because it's it's just so jaded and dumb. But it's you know I I do think in a sense. Childhood me would probably love wrestling a lot fucking more and have a way more enjoyable time watching it every Monday night than adult me. But adult me also has a really enjoyable time reading about the actual people who are performing in the ring and thinking about them as actual human beings as opposed to superheroes. And I think that's just part of becoming an adult and getting older and, and really respecting these people and what they do in the ring. And it makes you care more about them, um, more so as an actual human if that makes sense. Uh, wow, people, that was brilliant. I mean, Jesus, Jesus, come on. Chris, great stuff, and I completely agree with you. Um, I just wish that I would listen to you and not go in the comment section for half these things. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I do agree with you. I mean, uh, stuff is not going to please everyone. And, yeah, when we look at stuff that we're fond of, like the Attitude Era, which was not the greatest in-ring wrestling era. It was one of the best story-driven era uh, of wrestling. Or, honestly, I love the Ruthless Aggression Era, too. I mean, those are the two ones that makes the most sense. Those two were the ones that I was, you know, teenager into an adult, if you will, and I was paying attention a lot more, uh, specifically about the wrestling later on towards the whole entire thing. And, uh, some people just can't get out of the past, especially older fans that obviously date back to when I first started watching wrestling, even before that in the 70s. Uh, 
you know, it's it's a different style, it's a different breed, it's a different beast. If you watch a Bruno San Martino match and then watch a, a Rey Mysterio match from the 90s and then watch even something out now, everything looks completely fucking different. So that's the way it's going to have to be. I just wish that people just didn't uh, suck so much. You know, everyone is entitled to your own opinion, and I'm entitled to the opinion that you're a douche. So when it goes to that type of stuff, that's how I feel. But Chris is right on all those aspects. And, um, yeah, let's go into our last topic before we go over this wonderful wrestling pay-per-view. Chris. Uh, all right. Worse, and we haven't even finished the second part of this whole entire thing. That's, a, that, that, that's the worst part. Doesn't matter. Worst feud, Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton or Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor? Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor, because I think it's a feud that the fans really wanted to see, and I think Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton is a feud that the fans didn't really care about. Um, so to me, the latter. Uh, I, I feel like the Finn-Bray situation was just very disappointing and is, is going to continue to be disappointing because they're not done with it yet. And then they're just not very good in the ring together. Um which is weird because I, I always assumed Bray would be good with anyone, um, even watching his matches with Samoa Joe, which Samoa Joe is fucking phenomenal. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Uh, but, I, I mean, Bray Wyatt is really, really good in his own right as well. So, it, you know, it's a really weird, weird uh, situation WWE's put themselves in with that storyline. But, I, I, I mean, I had a lot of hope for that storyline. I thought there was better ways to build it. We talked about it plenty on the podcast before. Uh, so what I will say is it, it's um, it's definitely a little depressing to me specifically. I never expected the Randy Orton feud and the Bray Wyatt feud to be good. So to me, I'm going to say Bray and, Bray and Finn just simply because I, I feel like it let a lot of people down. That is the right answer. Um, <laughs> even though this feud hasn't even finished. Uh, and I doubt that Sister Abigail, whatever the hell they're doing it, I guess it's Bray Wyatt with a with whatever, I don't even know. You were right, I think, about the whole Norman Bates thing. Um, I think he quoted it, actually. Yeah, he, he quoted the, the, the fly line uh, from Psycho. But either way, it doesn't matter about the House of Horrors and how horrible that shit was, or about their Titantron slash, you know, projection bugs thing at WrestleMania. Bray Wyatt and Finn Balor is piss. It's, it should have been an amazing in-ring feud, um, just because it's it's two demons battling each other. They set it up horrible. Uh, they started everyone's interest very early in and then decided to extend the shit out of it for no reason. Um, and now it's just not working. And all it's doing is sucking the life out of Bray Wyatt and taking Finn down a peg with it. Uh, so, yeah, I pretty much hate it. And, like, like and I mean, this happens with wrestlers. Uh, you know, I've heard many of them say, me and such and such, another one of my favorite wrestlers, we just never had a good match. We couldn't have one for some reason. It just did not mesh. And that, that, that happens. I don't think either one of them are bad in-ring performers. I just feel like if Bray's writing his lines, like I keep on saying this over and over again, intervene. If he's not writing his lines, let him have some participation because you guys suck. Um, and Finn Balor, at this point, I don't know, same thing, it's like you're, you're, the writing that you have for him is bad. He's not able to project as much as just being more natural like he was, and it's affecting him. Bray's actually good at written dialogue. That's not his problem. It's just rambling nonsense. 
that no one, it's just, everyone just tunes out. I tune out. I don't care. Ugh. So, the only thing that's good about this is that Finn Balor's about to be done, just so he can go on probably and get destroyed by Brock Lesnar for the next, like, month or two. But at least he won't be feuding with Bray Wyatt. Uh, and I anyways. will I will say I will say this about Bray Wyatt. It's not that he's even bad on the mic. It's that he never establishes no. a point. Um and, and the exactly. to me it's like I think Raven was really good at doing this long form cult leader type deal that Bray did for so long. And I've said it on the podcast before, but at the end of the day, he gave you a reason of why he wanted to kick someone's ass. And Bray's reason is just that he doesn't like Finn Balor. Like, wh- not that he wants. Where's the Where's the actual wrestling? Or... Like, yeah, yeah, like I, you need more. Like with uh, Randy Orton, it made sense because Randy Orton was with him. He 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 became part of it, right? So at the beginning of the feud didn't make sense, but they built that out enough so that he became part of the Wyatt family. Then he turned his back on the Wyatt family. So obviously Bray was more pissed. That feud made more sense than what they did with Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt, which is why Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt is just a bad feud. They just went, hey, look, we got a demon, and we got this other guy that's kind of a cult leader. Let's put them together. Yeah, I hope that, you know, I hope they do something with Bray. Like I said, I think there's a lot of uh, fun to have with Matt Hardy being freed up, unfortunately, from his brother that they could do with two of them and revitalize both their careers and just kind of – you know, do some stuff. I doubt they'll do that, though, because every time I I think about this stuff, they just, you know, all of a sudden Jason Jordan's Kurt Angle's son or fucking Jinder Mahal's a champion. So who knows? Um, I have faith in creative going forward because I think they've been making a lot of good decisions lately, so hopefully they continue that trend. And it won't be a trend anymore. But uh, as for now, I'm not happy on what's going on with that whole entire thing. But let's get into Hell in the Cell. We'll talk about some results for this, Chris. Oi, we had some fun, fun stuff. You know what I realized is that off the main card, the only baby faces that won were Randy Orton and Bobby Roode. It's kind of funny if you think about that whole entire thing. Either way, let's go to the kickoff match. Um, not a bad match at all. Sheldon Benjamin and Chad Gable defeated the Hype Bros. Gable pinned Ryder after their powerbomb reverse bulldog off the ropes finisher. Love Sheldon Benjamin in the ring. He's such a great... You know, unfortunately for his era, at least, very underutilized during then. Not that Intercontinental title, I think that he had the U.S. title, tag title, and all that is bad. But I think that he could definitely have had the World Heavyweight title. Just saying. Uh, and I love Chad Gable. Chad Gable, to me, uh, you know, I was watching an interview with him. He was a big fan. Everyone everyone assumes it's Kurt Angle, but actually his biggest influences are Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, and the Hart Brothers, both Brett and Owen. And especially with the Hart concept, Man, it's like he was trained by them. Like his, he's so good at moving, uh, transitioning between grapples. Uh, he's a very, very good technical wrestler, and he's fast as hell. Um, find out he's 31. He looks like he's 22. He looks like he's like the same age as Will Osprey. But yeah, he's, he's 31 years old. The man, I think, is going to have an amazing career. Um, because of what's going on with Jason Jordan, I, I don't necessarily wish that they would have switched that whole thing, but I wish that they would give him a singles run or would have given him a singles run out of the two of them originally because I really like Chad Gable. But um, just uh, short, um, how did you like the kickoff match? 
I thought it was a great tag team match. I thought it was a lot of fun. I'm not going to say it was like the most amazing tag team match I've seen. Um, it was mostly Zack Ryder in the ring uh, over Mojo Riley, which I, I think that's kind of how they book those matches in general. And then you get the hot tag um, with Mojo. And I, I thought the match made sense. It looked good. I liked that. Uh, I really liked the section of the match where Shelton and Zack Ryder had had in-ring experience together before. They mentioned it. They kind of tried to outperform each other. And then Shelton just like dicked him, which I thought was really funny, like with the, the bro handshake. And then he just immediately attacked him instead. I thought that was kind of cool because it shows a different edge to Shelton and like a will to win that kind of puts them in a like almost like a I don't I hate like using the term like a shade of gray, but you could see them doing something heelish with them down the line if they wanted to. Um, and then you yeah. can even split them I love up. I matching gold have, in the tire. Yeah. Um, so it's great, man. I, I really enjoy. I'm really enjoying them as a tag team, and I look forward to seeing them. Uh, seeing them versus the Us- the Usos, who have just been absolutely great. They were really great. I don't know if you watched after the pay per view. We can maybe we can catch if we get through this. We can talk about it at the very end. But I thought they were really genuine um, on talking smack, and they probably got in a little bit of trouble based on their language and some of the things that they said, but uh, they were they were a lot of fun to watch on there as well. And I think once they dialed the ratings back on them and let them use their actual personality when they came over to SmackDown and they separated them from Roman Reigns, it did wonders for them. Um, like a highlight as far as someone who's advanced their career, the Usos have been like a complete highlight. But the tag match itself is really great, and I really look forward to Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin potentially breaking up and having a match in the future. I think that's going to be awesome, too. Absolutely. And just, you know, the fact that we are set up with Gable and Benjamin versus the Usos. I mean, American Alpha and the Usos, before this whole entire thing, had some great matches together. The fact that you trade out Jason Jordan for Shelton Benjamin, just like the Usos are saying on on SmackDown, the opening, like, you traded out Jordan for Shelton Benjamin? Like, yeah, that's going to be some great tag team stuff. And, you know, uh, just like going against an opponent, you know, you never know if you throw two guys in a tag team if it's going to work out. But it seems like Shelton and Chad are having some good chemistry. So let's see where that goes. Uh, Let's go to the first official match on the card, Uh, another tag match, this one for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. The Usos defeated the New Day. Usos won the match with a tandem splash on Xavier Woods with a steel chair assist, becoming the five-time tag team champions. This was billed as the final meeting of the two teams. So they're splitting them off. Usos have the belts. New Days are by themselves. I guess they're going to start doing something with someone else, I'm assuming, obviously. Uh, But this is an incredible tag match. This is a great Hell in a Cell match, and they didn't have to go outside the Hell in a Cell at all. just completely nuts the whole entire way there. The one part they utilized and did some amazing stuff. They brought out trombones and broke like three or four of them on people. There was a cowbell for Christ's sakes and a gong. Uh, at one point, I think Jey Uso was in the corner of the cell and was completely imprisoned by wooden kendo sticks that went through it and kept him completely still. Then they brought out handcuffs at the end of it, where Xavier Woods had this amazing part where he was strung up off uh, outside uh, from the corner to the outside, basically, hung up, and they were smacking with the kendo sticks. Uh, he posted pictures later on on um, Instagram. 
just destroyed. These guys beat the living hell out of each other and told a great story and had one of the best tag team matches I've seen in a while. Between them and what they've done with the New Day, the Usos and the New Day, and and the chemistry that naturally um, uh, Rollins and uh, and Ambrose has with uh, you know um, the Bar, tag team wrestling has been incredible and. This is really making statements on both shows. Like, you got to bring your A game if you want to, you know, hang with us. Like, we're the top guys. So, how did you feel about the final meeting of the two teams, Chris? All right. So let me take a tag. Let's let's take a let's take a um, a time machine back to when you were stale on the New Day during their title run. Dane was not a fan, and I said then I said they just need a really good team to feud with. And you put them against the Usos, and they've had brilliant fucking matches. And to me, this was the absolute match of the night, hands down. It was the, the Shane and Kevin Owens thing was crazy, but it was crazy because of the studs. And I think the actual wrestling match of the night and the match that had the best chemistry and the best overall performance and what, what they were able to do in the ring and the story that they've been able to tell with their feud overall was just phenomenal. And to me, this was my match of the night. And it's, if you watch one match out of this entire pay-per-view, this is the fucking one to watch. It was great. Props to Xavier Woods for letting them just beat the absolute shit out of them. The kendo stick spot uh, where they wrapped Jay up and he's just laughing, like evilly cackling was just so phenomenal. Uh, Kofi on the outside, just selling how distraught he was for Xavier Woods was great. Never getting involved in the actual match. Um, just phenomenal. And then afterwards on Talking Smack, the Usos uh, talking about their mutual respect with the New Day now and how they've grown to accept how tough the competitors they are and stuff. I thought it was a big step uh, for their characters. And, um, man, just I loved everything fucking about this match. It was great. There's I, I, I usually have at least one or two negative things to say. The only negative thing I would say is uh, there was that – Uso butt bump on Xavier Woods' like face and the spear head first into the cage. Those are scary spots just because it involves like a direct headshot to a steel object. But other than that, man, this match was fucking phenomenal. And they did beat the shit out of each other. Um, but it made for one hell of a match. So props to both those tag teams. And uh yeah, man. I was stoked on this match. Oh, I think one of my favorite spots that looked like the most painful was when Biggie Urinagied uh, one of the Usos to the outside where Xavier had his his knees up and basically gave, drove, drove him into his knees. And that looks just, just these guys beat the crap out of each other. But yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for bringing that up. Okay. I was wrong. All right. You know what? I wasn't wrong. You know what happened? The new day listened to our podcast and listened to me and they got better. And that's what happened. So we'll go to the next match. That wasn't good. Uh, well, it wasn't that bad. I'm not going to say that. It was better than their last pay-per-view match. Uh, Randy Orton defeated Rusev. Uh, look, I-, I will say this. First of all, turn Randy heel. He wants to go heel. He's he's sick of being a baby face. He just doesn't look like he's having that great of time. They had a good match. It wasn't that bad of a match. It just wasn't anything that lackluster. Um, you know, and Rusev... I always complain about them underutilizing him, but I love, I have really enjoyed the comedic stuff between him and Aiden English and Rusev Day and all that type of stuff was hilarious. His comedic timing is brilliant. Um, 
especially with his character. I just love that he just, like, randomly starts stomping his feet. Marska! Like, who the hell would do that? Like, there's no one from any part of the globe, including where he's from, that would naturally do that in a fight. But Rusev does it. And he does it great. Uh, Chris, how do you feel about this match? I thought it was a really good match. Um, I don't think it was anything incredible or groundbreaking, but it was way better than their first match that they had together. And the not was it not the nine second match. It was better than Rusev versus John Cena. Let's put it that way. Um, so I thought it was pretty good. I just when they said Rusev was going to be doing the angle that they ended up giving to Kevin Owens against Shane McMahon, I thought that made more sense. And I guess I'm still stuck on that. You know, like I kind of thought that's where they were going to go was Rusev being disappointed about never getting any opportunities, and they ended up going with Kevin Owens instead in that spot. And I feel like it fit Rusev a little bit better. But I'm interested to see what they're going to do with Rusev after this. I'm just worried for him because I don't know where they're going to put him. Yeah, that's my wonder, too, if eventually uh, he'll just end up out of WWE somewhere else uh, because he wasn't used. But, uh yeah, it wasn't like like I said, it wasn't a bad match. I don't really think I think even the worst match wasn't that bad of a match that some people are giving it on this whole entire card. I thought it was actually a very stacked card. So uh, we'll, we'll continue down to the triple triple threat match for the United States Championship. Baron Corbin defeated AJ Styles and Ty Dillinger. Uh, Ty Dillinger was added in the pre-show uh, much earlier in the day, uh, making a triple threat. There was a really funny spot actually with him and Daniel Bryan where they switched their uh, gimmicks and they were doing it together. It was kind of dumb. Um, Styles did a phenomenal forearm on Dillinger. So Corbin literally came in, kicked him once, and then literally kicked him out of the ring and stole the win. Baron Corbin is your new United States champion. Um, I will go on a little bit of a, a tangent. Not, not, not a tangent. I, I'll, I'll try to say it real quickly. I thought this was not a bad match. I've heard people super analyze it like they have to destroy everything. Kind of prompted me, actually, to make that, 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 uh, that, that concept. But... You know, Dave Metzler was was. And I know that him and Corbin have some beef, but he was really Brian Alvarez was not agreeing with him. He was saying that 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 Baron Corbin is about as good in the ring as Jinder Mahal. I do not agree with that at all. I think that Baron Corbin is a big guy. I don't think he's the most graceful wrestler, but the the spot that he does where he runs out and runs back in and gives a uh, you know clothesline from hell, I think always looks pretty damn good. I think all the guys actually did a pretty damn good job. It's definitely at least for me seeing it, the best I've seen of Ty Dillinger. I don't know if that's saying much. Yeah, AJ had to, like, carry both those guys a lot through the match, but that was a fine match. I thought it was fun. Uh, I thought the ending was good. And, you know, Baron Corbin kind of reminds me of, like, a Brian Adams. I think that he's, you know, not the greatest wrestler, but he's still, for his size, a pretty damn good wrestler, and his finishers are devastating, uh, especially his main one. Um, but uh, how did you feel about this match, Chris? Chris, uh, you might have muted yourself. No, what did you go? Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Um, I think the main problem that I had with this match, well, I think the main problem people have with this match is that they really wanted AJ to win, and they made it a three-way match. Yeah. kind of gave away what the finish was going to be. You kind of knew AJ wasn't walking out with the title. And I think that's why a lot of people had problems with this match, more so than the actual match itself. The in-ring work was fine. I thought it was a pretty pretty damn good match. I thought there was a, a couple cool spots. I really liked the uh, super kick where um, Ty Dillinger fell on Bell and, 
Baron Corbin. And like for a second there, I thought that was like how they were going to get the title off AJ Styles without AJ Styles actually losing instead of uh, saving that for down the line. Um, kind of in the way that they it. did, but but it was it was it was pretty great. Like I enjoyed it overall. I had I had absolutely no problem with the match. I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was like I said. I didn't think it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen in my life, but. I definitely didn't have as many qualms with it as uh, some other people did. And just to let everyone know that was uh, having problems, if you did have someone with problems, though, AJ is apparently, this is, I don't know why he lost clean to Baron Corbin for the follow-up. I don't have an answer for that. But apparently it's a transition to get him back in the main title run. So we could see AJ going against Jinder and taking the title from him, uh, which would be amazing. And then possibly... The rumor is eventually the end game is Shinsuke versus AJ Styles. Uh, if a title were to be in a picture for that, that would be even more amazing. Um, but either way, we don't have uh, we have a little bit of time, but let's let's keep on going at the pace we're going, uh, just in case we get excited about the last match that we're going to talk about. But um, SmackDown Women's Championship match: Charlotte Flair defeated Natalya via disqualification after a long match. Natalya hit Charlotte in the leg with a steel chair. Uh, to cause disqualification, Charlotte wins, but Natalia is still a champion. This is a good match. The ending was so weird out of nowhere. I don't know if it was the camera angles weren't showing what the hell was going on. Uh, all of a sudden, Natalia smacks her with a chair for no reason. Uh, a lot of uh, people were speculating, but I don't know why the hell she would go for two uh, moonsaults if this was the case, that her leg was actually, uh, it did get messed up at one point, um, and that's why they went for a short finish. Um, I have no idea if that's true. I really hope uh, a chair shot like that, blatant and stuff like that, it doesn't add anything. If you're trying to extend a feud, try to be a little more creative than that. that that's This is getting ridiculous of people just walking out, and, especially after having a good match. It kills the match completely. You know, people walking out and getting a 10 count. It just, it's, it's, it's stupid stuff. Yeah, you can see it's the heel maneuver, but there's a hell of a lot better of a way to, to play it off, you know, than that. That was out of nowhere, and if if there is some type of injury to Charlotte, obviously I want to see her get better because I don't want her to be hurt, but I really don't think that's the case. I think they're just trying to extend this again. Uh, as you can see, Charlotte looked pretty good in the back during that one segment uh, on um, SmackDown, so I don't know, but how did you feel about this match, Chris? It was kind of a boring match. They They just worked Charlotte's leg most of the match, and Charlotte sold. So that was my only real problem with it. Uh, the biggest glaring issue with this match, and probably why people think Charlotte hurt her knee, is when she went for the moonsault to the outside, Natalia didn't catch her at all. And she did come down, just basically landed flat from a moonsault from that height. So they may have ended the match just because Natalia fucked up and didn't catch her. And they were worried that she may have actually hurt her knee. And I think that's where that's coming from. Because if you go back and watch that, Natalia just completely misses her, doesn't protect her, and she lands and just basically lands on her knee. Which is, like, unacceptable for someone that's been in the business as long as uh, Natalia has. Especially when someone like, yeah, Brett. You know, Sasha, like Sasha Banks has caught her, like, a gazillion times. You know, and Sasha Banks is, like, half the size of Natalia. So... It's just a ridiculous thing, and it just kind of looked like she got out of the way. And maybe they thought Charlotte had tweaked her knee or something at the time. It probably just really hurt like a motherfucker because she just basically did a full moonsault and landed on her feet with no one bracing her at all. So that would be my guess of why the finish looked a little weird and wonky. But um, it was an okay match. It wasn't. It, I, I thought I actually thought that they would have 
a, a better match. I was a little disappointed that they just went after uh, Charlotte's knee the entire time. Which to me, like, I don't yeah. know if you've ever been put in the sharpshooter, but the sharpshooter applies more pressure to your back than your knee. So, like, working yeah. the back would actually make more sense than the knee. I don't know why they decide to work the knee with the sharpshooter. It's, they always do that. When people have the sharpshooter, I, I never understood that. I'm like, that affects your back more than anything. Yeah, obviously your legs are tangled, but it's not like a figure four. You should be working the back. I Trust me, believe it's me. A Boston, I, I it's basically a Boston crab with you're crossing their legs. So it's, like, always been just a pet. Yeah. Well, uh, the, thing, the thing about this is all I have to say is, yeah, Brett, you talk about unsafe wrestlers like Seth Rollins and Samoa Joe. What about Natalia? Huh? No, I'm just kidding. I, I'm sure that mistakes happen. It's wrestling. I don't really, you know, this this type of stuff happens. Uh, shit. But maybe nothing happened. It was actually, that was what they were trying to go for. With WWE, you never know. Either way, we'll go on to our next match. I mean, they, did, WWE. they definitely... They were de- definitely not going for that botch. That was a legitimate botch. She just didn't catch Charlotte. Um, but, yeah, I, it, it could, the finish could have been planned out ahead of time. Agreed. Yeah, I'm talking about more about the uh, going leading into the chair shot. If, if Even if that was a botch, if that was your ending, that was a bad ending. Uh, but, anyways, WWE Championship match. Jinder Mahal defeated Shinsuke Nakamura. Singh brothers at one point were ejected because uh, they were trying to cheat like normal. So, Jinder Mahal pinned Shinsuke clean without their help. Uh, this was honestly, and I'll give this a gender, probably his best performance I've seen him in the ring. Uh, that's not saying much, and that's giving a lot of praise towards Shinsuke for carrying the match, but they had a pretty decent match. He's just kind of boring inside the ring. Um, I did like, uh, you know, that the Singh brothers got ejected, and there was that time period where Shinsuke definitely should have had the win, but it's because uh, little Ric Flair was outside the ring, and he didn't make it back inside the ring in time. So they gave him, like, that little edge. But the fact that he got beaten clean kind of sucks for Shinsuke. And I really, unfortunately, think this is going to be the end of that feud. I don't know what's going to happen with Shinsuke from it. Uh, but Mahal still is the champion. And apparently he broke a record recently. I don't remember what it is because I didn't want to read the article and get sad. Um, Chris, how did you feel about this match? It it was okay. It was fine. I have not been really impressed with Shinsuke since he came up to the main roster Uh just to be completely honest. And I'm not going to blame that on his opponents because he did go against Dolph Ziggler, and I thought they were to have one hell of a match, and he kind of let me down um, with that match. Uh, it was the same thing as the Randy Orton match. It just worked better in Jinder's favor because it was like Shinsuke in general is more of a, he's more of a brawler um, because of the way he works strong style. So it's a little easier for uh, – to me, it's a little easier – or gender to have a match with him versus someone like Randy Orton, where it's uh, going to be more predetermined actual wrestling to striking and stuff. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a bad match. It, it uh, to me, it was. It wasn't. You know, it, it felt like a TV match. Is the only problem. And the, they keep doing this finish with gender, and it makes sense uh, in in some ways, but also I'm not a huge fan of it because it's the same match. So eventually, they got to come up with something a little more creative than. Uh, Ending in a controversy, uh, it, it's it's like a good screw over, but like you know, spice it up a little bit. Like have one of the uh, the uh, God, I want to say the Bollywood boys, but that's not their name anymore. But let's just go with that for right now because I can't think of the, the Singh brothers. Have one of the Singh brothers drop in some brass knucks or uh, like do a Maurice thing and have them blind 
blind an opponent. There's like tons of ways to cheat. Just get creative with it. Do something more Instead creative than just having hands. get booted out. Yeah, just like you know, do something a little different than having them jump up on the apron. Um, there's, I mean, there's so many times. This is part of my problem with this whole like champions advantage thing that WWE does that New Japan doesn't do. Um, that we've talked about before, but yeah, just if you're gonna do it. Make it creative. Like, it doesn't have to be something new every week, like especially on TV, but for pay-per-views, try to do something different. And I thought Maurice and Miz were pretty good at that, finding new ways to screw the opponent, which is why I was kind of sad when they did the Miz-Tourage thing. Um, because, which, I mean, just gave him a new way to screw opponents, but I thought that they were just really, really good at screwing opponents, you know? Um, so I, I wish they would do that with gender. And there's got to be some new creative ways that people haven't thought of, you know, to... to to do a shit back heel gimmick. Yeah, def- I agree with you completely on that. All right, let's go to the next one uh, before the uh, main event. Probably, honestly, might be the worst match on the whole entire card. Uh, Bobby Roode defeated Dolph Ziggler. Roode won with a roll-up with a handful of tights. After the match, Ziggler hit a zigzag on Roode. Um, I don't I'm, – I'm just going to be honest with you. I mean, I've said this before – I don't think Bobby Roode is working as a baby face. If he was a baby face that was so cocky and didn't give a shit, I would be fine with it. Like last night when Dolph Ziggler called him out and said, you know, you rolled up my tights. I wish that he would have. First of all, I think it's so bizarre that NXT performers can't really talk about their NXT accomplishments. Like Bobby just is supposed to ignore that. Sami Zayn, when he was, you know, listing all the things that he's, He's not done. He didn't even say the fact that he was the NXT champion. Uh, but with Bobby Roode, it's like he should have been like, have you seen what I do? Have you seen that wrestling? Like, you can still come over as a babyface like he does naturally and still have him act heelish more. Like, Bobby literally last night, because we're not going to be able to get that much in the SmackDown, deer in headlights moment. I don't know if someone slipped up, like if, if, if Dolph didn't feed him a line and, you know, he was waiting for him to come in, or if he forgot his own lines, or if someone said in the mic, or in his ear something, but it was really awkward and weird, uh, and the two of them, you know, for both being good in-ring wrestlers, I don't think they had a lot of natural chemistry at all. Um, I did like the ending, though, that segment where it was rolled tights, and then Bobby Roode did some heel-ass shit. I just wish that he would address it much more convincingly and, and cocky about it the next night instead of trying to, like, play it off like it was nothing. Um, but, yeah, uh, kind of disappointing. Really don't like what they're doing with Bobby Roode, and this is supposed to be a transitional match between a championship match and Hell in the Cell, and it definitely, I think, calmed everyone down. Uh, how did you feel about it, Chris? I was a little higher on the match than you were. I think you had a, um, some higher expectations than I did. Uh, but Dolph Ziggler has a been giving his best effort lately. It seems like I feel like this match could have e- easily been like one of the matches of the night if he would have been going full bore. And I felt like they both kind of just went through the motions. It wasn't a bad match by any means. I did like the finish. I thought it was creative. I do like you said on um, SmackDown itself. I wish that Bobby Roode was when he was like, "Yeah, you cheated. You pulled my tights." I wish he'd have been like, "I was fighting fire with fire," or just acknowledged it. And he kind of didn't. So it's just a weird, dumb thing. Like that Sting, when he would cheat against Ric Flair, it was always com- it was always like talked up as like, yes, yeah, Sting bit Ric Flair's like hand or his leg, 
like when Sting would get put in the figure four and house shows and, and different scenarios, Sting would make a big animated bite to like bite Ric Flair because Ric Flair had been cheating the entire match. Um, and they would talk it up like as announcers and stuff. And I feel like that that's something that was maybe lost. And I feel like the announcers really did try to do uh, to, to make that point. Like, Hey, he's fighting fire with fire. Um, it's just that they have like two heel announcers, one face announcer, and a lot of that dialogue just gets lost. And then people are just like, why the fuck didn't Bobby Reed just say, hey, like, bro, you did it first. So like he should have like reiterated the fact like, hey, you did this first, man. You know, so, I agree with you. Um, but all right, let's go to our last match tonight. Probably the one that most people have been talking about the most. Kevin Owens, Shane McMahon, Hell in the Cell. Guys, this match was nuts. It, it started off with the baseball slide uh, from Shane McMahon driving Kevin Owens outside the ring. Uh, I think he gave him a. I think Kevin Owens gave uh, Shane a power bomb on top of the uh, the steel uh, entranceway. They ended up back in the Hell in the Cell. Uh, they had one spot that was ridiculous, where coincidentally everyone was screaming for a table. Kevin Owens grabbed a table, put it up against the side set up Shane at the corner of the Hell in the Cell where the table was and went on the side and went to do his cannonball. Shane jumped out at the last minute. Kevin Owens just completely annihilated the table. Shane then takes a piece of the table, starts beating the crap out of uh, KO with it. Uh, they were going back and forth. Uh, at some point, Shane got KO'd down. I don't remember exactly how, but he decided, and one of the funniest parts actually in the whole entire thing, Oh, definitely a comedic part. Shane wants to go outside and go on top of the cell. So in order to do that, he's got to get uh, these chains that are wrapped around the door of the cell. So he gets these uh, these bolt cutters, uh, and he was having so many problems trying to get this done. It was pretty. It was kind of funny. You know, it's going to happen. It's live TV. What are you going to do? He gets it open, climbs to the top. Uh, Ko. Wait, wait, no, no, he didn't climb to the top. What happened? Now I'm, now I'm starting to lose exactly what happened. They fought around. That's right, they fought around. Uh, Kevin Owens comes outside. They fought around and then ended up at the uh, announce tables. At one point, uh, Kevin Owens was about to take Shane, and he was going to put him on the table, and then he looked like he was going to climb to the top. Well, no, 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 he went to the barricade and was going to do it. Then he looked up and realized the cell, went to the top of the cell, and had this great moment where he, he – Everyone really thought that he was about to jump off. I really did. And, uh, you know, he kept on psyching himself out. And finally he said, screw it. At this point, he didn't realize that Shane had jumped off and was taken up and on his way up the, uh, the cell itself. They fought on top of it, which was, I heard that you could hear a pin drop inside the arena when they were on top of the cell. Uh, you know, just battling. They went for the uh, powerbomb but couldn't keep balance. So the third time, finally, KO powerbombs him. You know, I'm so glad that they've obviously reinforced it since back when Mick went through it because just crazy stuff. And then at one point, KO's like, screw this. Oh, no, he goes and pretends he's about to do what Shane, what Undertaker did with Mick Foley and throw him through it. And Shane pumps the brakes. Uh, KO decides, I'm getting the hell out of here. Gets off the the, uh, cell. Cell's 20 feet in the air, by the way. They get to the 10 feet part. Shane catches up with Kevin Owens, pushes him through one of the announce tables, goes down, instead of pinning him, clears off the next announce table, puts KO on top of that, looks up, 
Then we see Shane do what he did with, with uh, Undertaker. He jumps off the top in the elbow drop. But Sami Zayn is there to grab his best friend, Kevin Owens, pull him out of the way, and we see Shane in different camera angles annihilate this table, going elbow first. Uh, I don't know if it's kayfabe or not, but apparently he had a ruptured spleen, a couple crack ribs, and some neck trauma. Uh, he is really freaking lucky. Oh, and something something happened with his uh, with his arm where the elbow went. Um, but Chris, this match was fantastic. If it wasn't for Shane's horrible punches that he does, it probably would have been just great. One of KO's best showings that he's had in WWE. Amazing storytelling. We always, I think, underestimate a little bit with Shane McMahon what he's able to do. But, you know, besides how you like the match, obviously, do you think that Shane needs to pump the brakes just with all this type of crazy shit in general? I honestly hope that this is Shane's last big hurrah-type match um, as far as jumping off crazy things. I don't think he needs to do that anymore. Like, he's earned the respect of the fans. I feel like that he can just have a normal match. Um, one thing I will say, I wish that they would have uh, gimmicks at the table like they did for WrestleMania. Uh, if you remember WrestleMania, it had like an airbag type deal underneath it. And this one was just a straight table, which is probably why he's a little bit messed, more messed up than he was. Um, Kevin Owens took a beautiful bump off the 10-foot uh, height. If you watch it back, he does this crazy thing where he's falling straight backwards, and then he just makes his body go in a 90-degree angle and land flat on the table and perfectly bumps, like, on the table. It was pretty Incredible. great. Incredible. Fucking great. Like, he's like, I got to take this crazy bump. Let me make sure I do it right, but I want to make it look real. So he starts falling straight backwards and then twists his body in midair and lands, like, 90 degrees, like, perfect on the table from, like, where he was standing. Instead of just... Most people probably would have just fell back into the middle of it, which would have been a terrible idea. He didn't do that. He made sure it braced, like, all of his fall. Um, I really enjoyed the Sami Zayn tie-in at the end, and the match overall was great. I thought it was a great brawl match. Um, I kind of wish Kevin Owens would have just won very decisively, uh, but the fact that they're just doing something with Sami Zayn makes me happy inside as a person, so I'm just going to, like, let that go. And uh, it was a fun match, man. Uh, and they did a really good job of telling a story. And I think the announcers, uh, which I don't, I don't generally give a ton of credit to, I thought they did a really good job in this match with the storytelling about like Shane's kids. And, and to some extent, I do agree that Shane is going too far. Like they're, they've done things. They did it at WrestleMania where they put like an airbag under that table, um, and people complained it wasn't real enough or whatever. But it's like, at some point, these are actual human beings, and, and you don't want to see them die. Like, they're not, like, Shane McMahon yeah. is not New Jack. So, like, maybe don't make him jump off 20-foot scaffolds. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just a bit ridiculous. I, I that, that table should have been gimmicked or something to make that a little safer. But the fact that he has the balls to do that each time is, is kind of crazy. And I'm kind of glad that they, like, they played it up as Kevin Owens uh, was like, no, fuck that. Like that's <laughs> once he got up there to do the jump off, he was like, no, he did a great job. Cause at first I thought they were going to have him do it. Huh? He did a great job. Like he, he kept like going back and forth and then he like, you know, smacked himself in the face a couple of times about to do it. And then just great stuff like that from performers that kind of just changes it and makes it, 
just it, it, it takes it over the level, man. And everything about that match was just intense and just ridiculous. The kids being right there at ringside and flicking off Kevin Owens at certain points. Oh, man, I love it when he said, like, don't worry, I'll be a better role model than your dad. Like, it was, it was, it was a violent, fun match and a good pay-per-view event. Like I said, I'm about to start tonight uh, the New Japan uh, pay-per-view from this last weekend, which is a five-hour viewing um, I think it's funny that Dave Metzler always complains about, but it's probably because there's better wrestling on the card. I'll give him that. But he's always like, God, it's three hour pay-per-view. And I'm like, dude, new Japan has like five hours of pay-per-view and a lot of trends. It's more wrestling. It's more wrestling though. New Japan is more wrestling though. They don't do as much like, here's what happened on the last three weeks of raw. Yeah, because, you know, yeah, they show, know. like, all I that stuff it. on the pre-show, and then they show it all again between the matches, and that is infuriating as someone that watches Raw and SmackDown. I get why they do it, but it's just still, it, it can be infuriating, versus watching New Japan, well, where they just fill that with actual wrestling. Well, regardless, I'm about to start the thing afterwards, and, um, you know, I just have to say, for, for, for WWE standards, if you will, uh, that pay-per-view is a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying wrestling recently, and uh, I think that only good stuff is going to come. So we'll find out in the next couple weeks if that's true. Uh, But we had a fun show. We got two minutes to wrap things up. So, uh, you know, definitely want to let you guys know, as always, tomorrow night, full court press, 8 o'clock, Nick and Joel talking basketball. Check it out. Friday night we have... Uh, Geek TV. I can't remember the name. I keep on forgetting about it, Chris. Anyways, Geek TV. We'll be going over all superhero television, uh, mostly DC stuff. Um, Then Geek Fives Live is now on Sunday nights from 8 o'clock until 10 o'clock. And, uh, you know, just a whole bunch of stuff. Catch it here at Geek Fives Network on iTunes. Listeners, thank you guys for listening. Everyone on Blog Talk, thank you for listening. Check out our Facebook page at Geek Fives Nation. Check out our Twitter page and check out our Instagram. Join us. Join the conversation. Let me and Chris know what you guys would like us to talk about on the show. I want to thank my wonderful co-host, Mr. Christopher Ray Patton. Uh, Chris, say a shout-out to everybody. Huge shout-out to everyone that listens to the show. Thank you guys so much. Um, I really enjoy doing this show, and I would love to – get more call-ins, so if you're listening, please try to show up a lot and give us some call-ins. We have more stuff to talk about, but everybody have a great week and uh, an amazing weekend, I guess, <laughs> going forward. But uh, yeah, man, I'm really excited for wrestling going forward. It's going to be awesome, so y'all have a good week. And there you guys keep it here for the best in wrestling news and the whole cosmos, really. You come here, we give you wrestling knowledge, and that's all that matters. So, thank you guys for listening, and have a wonderful night. Peace out, motherfuckers.